This is the Holy Gospel according to Mark from the eighth chapter. Jesus began to teach that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Last Sunday, we heard about God's awesome power in the story of the great flood that God sent to destroy the earth. And near the end of that narrative, we heard also the surprising covenant that God made with Noah and with the other survivors. I will establish my covenant with you, God said, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. But if God is choosing to abandon one way of using power, then what is the other way that God is now choosing, the new way? The answer comes in the next covenant story, which is what we heard today in our first reading. The God who sent the waters of the flood now promises to birth a multitude of people who will all bear the blessing of God within them. To Abraham, God says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Speaking about Sarah, God says, I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. There are many masculine images of God throughout the Bible, but I can see why Jews and Christians have always loved this feminine image of a birthing God who labors to bring new life into being. In our English Bible, God says, I am God Almighty, which is the translation of the Hebrew words El Shaddai. Those can also be translated as God of the mountains or God of the deities. But as Rabbi Jill Hausman points out, along with many other rabbis, there is still another translation which is compelling. She says, El means God, 
But Shaddai is also related to the Hebrew word Shaddaim, or breasts. Even my Oxford Annotated Bible suggests God with breasts as a common translation of this name, El Shaddai, which is a beautiful image of God as a mother who births us and lovingly feeds us. In our Christian tradition, there have been many people who have been drawn to this mothering image of God. In the ninth century, St. Anselm of Canterbury spoke to God in prayer saying, as a mother, you gather your people to you. You are gentle with us as a mother with her children. In sickness, you nurse us and with pure milk, you feed us by your anguish and labor we come forth in joy. At a retreat I attended last weekend, we also looked at sayings and prayers of remarkable women like Bridget of Scotland and Julian of Norwich and Hildegard of Bingen, women who lived centuries ago, but who loved to talk about God as a mother who was always giving birth to something new. And at that same retreat, we wondered what new things God is birthing in the world today. We talked about new movements that are challenging old structures of injustice and oppression and how they are struggling to find their voice, to find their place in the world. And we remembered that birthing is never an easy process. As Anselm said, it involves anguish and labor and sometimes even the ultimate sacrifice of a mother's life. That conversation gave me new appreciation for the gospel reading today. And it made me think again about the movement that God was birthing in and through Jesus. Over against the violence and the destructive forces at work in the world, God was birthing a new kingdom that was restoring dignity and equality, and well-being to all. Now in the big picture, we even see that it was the birth of a new creation. But it didn't come easily. In truth, it came with a great amount of pain and suffering. For Jesus, personally, it came with constant threats to his life, with rejection, with ridicule, and even with the knowledge that he would lose his life in this ultimate labor of love. When I think about his story, I imagine that there must have been a point along the way where Jesus finally accepted the reality of all of this. And I wonder if he was tempted to turn back. I wonder if Jesus felt the way many women have said they feel after the first birth pangs of labor begin. The leader of the retreat I attended told about a conversation he had with his wife shortly after the birth of their first child. After labor began, she said, I can remember the distinct moment when I realized there is no turning back. <laughs> it seems 
clear to me that Jesus has come to that realization, to that moment. And now he wants his followers to understand that. He wants them to know the truth about that. So he says to them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. The birth pains had begun, but there was no turning back. The disciples must have felt like the mother in a video that my wife and I saw during childbirth classes. Not long after the labor began, she quietly said, this was a bad idea. <laughs> and then as the pain intensified and as the real work began, she repeated the same phrase louder and louder. This was a bad idea. And if we are honest with ourselves, we can probably identify a similar voice within us whenever we are confronted with the radical nature of this call to join the movement that Jesus has begun by denying ourselves and taking up our cross. If we haven't felt that or heard that, then I doubt if we have heard the call at all. But ask any mother how she feels after the birth of the child. Ask her if it was worth the pain and the suffering. Ask her if she wishes now that she could have turned back halfway through labor. I know what you will hear. And it's the same thing that I have heard throughout my life from people who have taken the risk of following Christ through experiences of loss, through times of hardship and distress, through loneliness, through discouragement, through harsh criticism sometimes and bitter disappointment and through all of the sacrifices that they have made in order to be faithful. Throughout this past week, I've asked people where they see God birthing something new in the world today. And all of the answers have been about new life that is coming out of suffering and pain. Some have talked about the Me Too movement that continues to push forward against powerful forces that seek still to discourage and to discredit the witness of women who are finally saying that the days of silence are over. I know that we represent a lot of good diversity in this place when it comes to political leanings. But the most common answer I heard last week to my question about birthing was the example of teenagers in Florida who are crying out for change in an era when gun violence is commonplace. They've already experienced tremendous pushback and we all know that there are powerful forces that will continue to work against them. But like their own mothers, I am hoping against hope that the water is breaking and that something new is coming. And in the end, I think we all have those motherly longings deep within us. As people who are birthed in the image of God, we have what Celtic Christians call the love longings of God at the center of our being. And if that is true, then we also have a driving force deep within us that makes it possible to walk with God as Abraham and Sarah did and to walk in the way of Christ, even when it involves anguish 
and labor. That may sound like an egocentric way of seeing ourselves and our capacity to answer this call. But I have never met a mother who feels puffed up with pride because she has given birth to a child. On the contrary, I have only heard mothers talk about a profound sense of awe and wonder for what God has done within them. And a holy gratitude for the gift of being an instrument of God's life-giving power. And that is what I hold in my heart today as I hear this call and these words of Jesus. It helps me hear them as good news, and it gives me courage to go past that point of no return in my walk with him, trusting in the promise that God is still making all things new. Thanks be to God. Amen.